Hi, good evening. It's episode nine. We're at Jim Bobcast. I'm Jim. And I'm Bob. And it was Arsenal Zilch Spurs 2 at the lane. And it somewhat underlined a period for me where we've just been on a free fall for quite some time. Uh, end of Wenger's reign through to, to Arteta. Um, and I think that's something that we need to really de- delve into tonight, Bob. Well, you know, once we, when we finished off against Manchester United, we were one point off the fourth position. Now we're, what, eight points off fourth, languishing in potentially 16th place in the league, 11 points behind Tottenham, who are sitting joint top or top albeit. Mm. It was a diabolical result. A result of utter... It was just... The player showed zero fight, zero guile, my biggest zero issue, passion. My biggest issue about the game is exactly that, passion, right? It's a North London derby. I don't Wherever you come from land and sea, it is one of the biggest derbies as I consider it in international football. People know about it. They know about the old firm derby. They know about the Classico and the Milan derby, obviously. It is one of those intense derbies. Yeah, and the, and the Liverpool derby. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the Merseyside, absolutely. But it's one of those intense derbies that the neutral football fan, you know, they earmark it in the calendar. It's a proper football game normally. And normally because it comes with shithousery, class, quality, blood, sweat, tears. Well, that's simply it. You know, we talked before the game. You said in the morning that you were worried. I was equally as worried. But I said to you, let's... this. Discount the result for a few seconds. What you said to me was, which is what gave me an element of hope that Arteta could restore this to make it a bit like a cup final, and historically he's done well in cups, was that form goes out the window in a derby. Every team just has that slight wobble, right? And it did not play out like a derby. It just played out like a Mourinho tactical... This is what's going to happen on the sheet of paper. I predict this, this, this and this. If you do this, that, this and this, we can sustain that amount of pressure and we will get our chances in behind. And when we get to two goals, we just shut up shop and they don't score. And I'm telling you, we win the game. And that's exactly what happened. You know, I wanted something from Arsenal that I saw against Man United. I expected that of us. Result aside, result aside, I wanted every single player to leave it all out there on the pitch. And I'm going to ask you this question. I potentially can think of one player that may have left a reasonable amount on the pitch, but not one of them left it all out on the pitch. Not one of them could come off that pitch and say, you know what, I'm knackered. I've given everything today. You know, fair effort. The answer to your question is I I can't think of anyone specifically to mind. I thought of the outfield players, the only one who made real notable contributions from busting a gut and st- you know in the second half for Lacazette put a shift in I agree and that was the player I was talking about I, d- I, w- I would say that you know out of the other players and maybe I'm being harsh on the youngster Saka who was all okay but I just don't think any of them can say you know what I've given my everything today some of them I don't think gave anything you know some of them I think could be you know it was I just think it was a, such a shambles of a performance and of a performance. Forget the result. I want to discount the result because Tottenham are in much better form. They're a much better side at the moment. They're playing much better football. 
And it's at their home ground, first game back with fans. 2,000, though. I mean, come on. I mean, it's... And it's, did you see... It's fucking 2,000 people. Did you see how they push his position, the fans? Yes, behind just, the goal, Just yeah. in one end. Yeah. You know... And I told you that I thought someone might do that. Yeah, but that's fine. But they left them there. You know, when you see other teams putting down the side of things, that's a much fairer thing. If you're paying, you know, to go and see a game, and you're, you know, queuing up in ballots and things like that, you know, you'd expect a better seat than being all the way down the other end and missing some great goals. Yeah, but in the, on the contrary, in the second half, they're attacking towards you and it, it, it may be that they, you know, if they're drawing the game or need something, they've got 2,000 extra people on the pitch with them. So, yeah. I mean, Arteta said in his interview after the match that we dominated the game. This is what I want. This is where I want to start the conversation. I actually want to start the review of this game back to front. And I mean, from back to front, starting with Arteta's analysis of the game, because I think he is completely delusional in some of the things he said. I told you, I am getting absolutely sick and tired. I believe you could use the word cheesed off. It's <laughs> uh, two words. With his post-match pressers. When he comes out there and stands in front of the microphone, he talks utter bollocks. It just, it's paying lip service to the normal <laughs> fan. Well, we tried everything, you know, dominated possession. You dominated fuck all. You were allowed to do that. In a boxing fight, it's not about how many punches you throw. It's about how many punches you land. We threw loads of punches, not one landed. Mm. Spurs were not threatened. You have to threaten a side with any element of domination. What did we dominate on that one? We dominated picking the ball out of our own net. That's the only thing we dominated. We picked it out of our net twice. They did zero. We did better than them on that one. Absolute bullshit from Arteta. Fuck. You know, he's, he's just farcical. You know, he may as well, if he's going to come in, he might as well send that fucking Gunnosaurus next week to do the post-match conference. You know, because it's probably a bloke in media relations that's doing it now. Just send him out there, talk bullshit about, well, you know, this... Absolute lunacy, and this still got my goat because when someone uses the word maths, maths is an exact science. It is not a, there is no room for interpretation. It is, you know, X times Y, if you will. 44 crosses. 44 crosses into the box against Spurs. Spurs must have been rubbing their hands together. The only thing Hugo Lloris did in that match was win the coin toss or even flip the coin and say we'll face that way for the first well, half. Well, he made a he made a in cricketing terms, he made a military medium save to Lacazette from a 13 or 14 yard header out which he just he just sort of nonchalantly just pushed around the corner. But if we've had 44 crosses into goal, it's yielded one shot on target. So I come back to the Wolves game. It was the most crosses by any team in the Premiership this season. Yeah. So in a match. You've had 44 there, 32 against Wolves, and it's it's brought two goals. You now then need 35 crosses per goal. So if a team score against you, if they put 70 crosses into the box, we could be two down, right? Which means that they need to put a cross into the box every 80 seconds, which is nonsense, the statistics tell you it's a bollocks stat. The maths. Yes. And because you you have to... To score once, you have to put a cross into the box under once at, at least once every three minutes. James, you've said it all there, and his post-match press conferences are getting my goat. That's, no, that was the last thing. And, and people are reading into his strategies, and 
And now he's having to defend them because he's starting to get questioned about the way in which he operates. So we'll get on to Arteta in the latter part of the show because we want to talk about manager to board. But beyond that with the game, I, I'm going to start back to front. I didn't I didn't think Leno he was probably the only he probably would have ranked highest out of all our players because he didn't have anything to do other than pick the ball out of his net twice. I don't think he could have done anything with either of the goals. Both of them, well, Kane got far too close to him and smashed it in off the underside of the bar. And I heard a few people murmurings about his positioning wasn't great for Sun's goal, but Sun set that out outside the post and bent it in. And it's a, it's a wonder finish. It's a beautiful finish. It was a really, really good goal. I mean, the finish itself, you can't do much about that. No. What happens to get to the finish, the same with the Harry Kane finish, yep. you can do. And and I said a couple of shows back about Son to you, about he. I think he's the most underrated world-class player in the game at the moment. To allow him to be able to travel without contesting him, kicking him up in the air in the nicest possible sense, I don't condone it, but it happens in football, or blocking him off or just making his life hard. I mean... He's just galloped like a steed up and down, uh, you know, just just out for us like canter, you know, as the morning dew rises. It was it was so effortless, and and he and Kane just had just fun all day long. Really, they, they just, they, they've not they've come off the pitch to, like with a two 0 win without bur- busting a gut themselves. I would say that the fans in the ground who have to be two meters apart have more contact with each other than the Arsenal defence did with Son and Kane. <laughs> you know, and that, that says a lot. And I just think, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not caning down on the Arsenal defence. No pun intended. But you know, because they've been reasonable this season in many different respects. But yeah, they allowed that goal on, and both goals. There was no, there wasn't. This is the point. So we start from the back to front. Have you got any issue with Leno yesterday? I think both of the goals he's not a fault for. I'd like to know what was wrong with his arm. I will find out if he's got the tattoo that you... Uh... Oh, I'm, I'm going a tattoo. And if we're allowing a, a goalkeeper to have a tattoo on his arm in the week before a derby, um, I'm, that's fucking unbelievable. <laughs> You're perplexed. Uh, you just, you know, I've had a tattoo on my arm. And other than the time I got deep heat in my groin, it's the only <laughs> thing that's made me cry ever. <laughs> oh, like, really? Pain-wise. You know, the pain was excruciating. <laughs> you know, that, the deep heat wasn't... Brilliant either, you know, Christ alive. But no, so for that, if that's the case, then I'm, you know, the next time I see him, if I see that I'm wrapped and there's a, a nice sleeve appearing, I'm going to be like, what, 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 what? Yeah. You know, that's not, that doesn't, that doesn't butter my bread. Uh, no, awful. Uh, no, but no, Len, nothing wrong with Len at all, you know. It to looked- be fair, other than picking the ball up, isn't it? As you said, he didn't do nothing because no. Spurs sat back and were yes. like, loving it. No, but they scored the two goals, which was exactly what they needed, and they had no intention of doing anything other than not concede after that. Tierney, I, I have a lot of issue with him. I, I <laughs> talk to me about Tierney because we have had a conversation about this. And look, I don't want to lead you down a path and try and get people to have a go at you here. But I'm leading but you I down think, a path. I think a lot of your points are. And I'm going to agree with you with everything you say. So I'm, we're both going, we're going down holding hands here. Okay. I can see your point. And I want you to tell us all of your points. And let's start with the fact that Celtic tonight have again released a statement, two statements now since the weekend about Neil Lennon's job backing him. Yeah. They are doing very poorly in the league up there now. Rangers are like 13 points clear of them. Are they really? Yeah. Stevie G. And... You said to me, 
this is possibly a reason why you shouldn't buy players direct from the Scottish League. And do you know what? You can see some some backing in your so look, point. Let me reword that point. If and and obviously this is the age old argument that you um, if if ever you do drive or things like that with talk sport and they have people call in who are Scottish fans, you know. Let me so let me ask you a question quickly and just say the first thing that comes into your mind. All right. If if Rangers and Celtic were to be passed as Premier League sides, where would they finish in the league? Bottom half. Okay, fine. So, do you think a club of the stature of Arsenal would go to a bottom half in the Premier League side now and buy a fullback for twenty five million pounds? I don't, I haven't got enough knowledge of fullbacks yet, yeah, but now, they would do because obviously you have got to look at people at like, uh, Roberts, Robertson. Yeah, and they went paid, from Hull. Yeah, and they paid ten million for him. Okay. Fair point. Right. So, and he has turned out to be by far the best. Chilwell to Chelsea? 50 million quid. And Chilwell won a Premier League. Okay. So, not not even in the same boat. Now, I'm not totally like digging Tierney out because, so, so, to put some value on him that he's played in the Champions League. Yeah. But on top of that, I don't think he's technically good enough at the moment. I think he hasn't got a yard of pace that you need in the Premier League in comparison to the two divisions. And I think that the technical ability you need in the final third to be clinical in this division, he just looks to me over the last few games that he's being exposed a bit. And I think he gets clouded because there's people out there who think that wearing short sleeves and having carrier bags just entitles you. The, oh, he's a tough nut. He's hard boy. Like and because he wants to fight back against Alioski for going down soft, but well, don't get me wrong. There's a lot no, that I like about Kieran. Oh Tierney. no, and he, but uh, he's amongst the best of a bad bunch at the moment. But he is not a standout performer when everyone else is is immiscible. You know, I, I don't think that. I think Gabriel has been a standout performer, and I think he came into his own in the second half of the second half yesterday. He started travelling through the midfield. He carried the ball 40 yards on two or three occasions. He made tackles high up the pitch. He got face-to-face in their team. And all of a sudden, something clicked in him with 20 minutes to go. You go, you know, and I, I might have to try and do something on my own bat here because everyone around me is just bursting for the final whistle. And I include Tierney in that bracket. And I think that he has been average for a prolonged period now. Yeah, I can't deny that and I can't disagree with you. You know, I openly said at the beginning, you know, I wasn't stitching you up here, pal. I I, I genuinely agree with you. Otherwise, I wouldn't have introduced it to the game. And my point about the two people that have successfully transitioned down from Scotland, Robertson had a transition at Hull where he played in the bottom half of the table where he played in a side that conceded a lot of possession and he held his own. He held his own enough for Liverpool to invest in him, albeit they had a problem with Alberto Moreno and their scouting team have just uncovered one there because he is top oh, out. top draw. And then Van Dyke, who Arsenal had an opportunity to sign. Don't from, get me on that. You know, from, from Celtic. He's gone down to Southampton. I think he's got at least a hundred appearances for Southampton. So people yeah, have he's just put his time in at Southampton. People have blooded him in. Twelve mil. Yeah. Southampton pay for him. Uh, I think it might have been a bit less than that. It's maybe six. I might be wrong. I think it was eight. Somewhere in between 6 and 12. Let's agree on that. And he has done two, three seasons at Southampton and people are like, this guy's got ability, right? And then he's gone to Liverpool and he's continued it. But they have had their transition period. We've we've put this guy in and it was such a... It was such a sought-out negotiation. Again, it was just a dragger. You know, it was like... 
Arsenal digging their heels in over a couple of meals, Celtic like absolutely not, we want to hold on to them. And I totally understand they're a team that play in the Champions League, they want to hold on to their best players. But he's not. I don't think he's come into the team and lit the team up. No, he play, he's played some great performances and I think... But why? When has he when, when has he been standout in a game? Like Because a standout fullback for me at Arsenal Football Club is Ashley Cole. That was standout football. Laurent. Yeah. Sagna. We know players we've talked about in the last 48 hours ourselves. But he hasn't got a goal in him. You know, it's not part of his game that he, like, you know, he scored that one goal which kind of spooned off the outside of the foot, just looped into the far right hand yes. corner. But, that, you know, Cole had a goal in him. Cole got buckets of assists. He's got, got a great goal against I mean, he um, played in an elite back four, Ashley Cole. You can't, you can't deny. With but, an elite midfield in front of him, an yeah. elite attack in front of him. That's, okay, so that's the left. And I, I don't want to go too much in on Tierney because, no, 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 no. you know, he's probably the best of a bad bunch. All I'm just saying but, is, is that. I just think that they're... I think he will get better in a better side. I agree. But not the finished article yet. No, again, I agree with you. Now, that's an interesting thing. So we've, you mentioned Gabriel there, who I think still outstanding. Mm-hmm. Rob Holding in the middle of the park. I held no umbrage against him. One of the things I did see him do yesterday... I held umbrage against him That now. really grated me mm. is he's, a, he's wanting to be boisterous towards the opposition. There was a Spurs player going off yesterday that was being substituted. I think it was uh, the boy. Lo Celso. the boy Lo And he was pushing him and berating him to get off the park. And I just felt, mate, put that effort into your game and not doing this. It's also a bit like, it feels a bit uncharacteristic of holding. He's a bit of a a northern gentle giant, really. He doesn't come across, he doesn't have a face like that person. Go back to the 2017 Cup final when he's giving Diego Costa you know, you're nuts. That's that's what I want to see yeah. because during that game, he's played with the gusto and the and the pep and the, f- the full-on body in his performance. Whereas he was, again, you know, but it was Rob like he was Holding, wearing a tutu. Rob Holding of 2017, when he had that period, he, he could play on the left as well. He was very, very, very comfortable playing off both feet. Technically looked like a really good footballer. And... Um, that, that's gone from his game. I, I don't know if it's a confidence thing, but he's not... He's been dist- out with an injury for a while yeah, as well. Yeah, but he's, not, he's not distributing the ball like that, or, nor is he taking the chances. So, for me, he isn't in the top two. I, I don't know whether or not um, Louise has had to take a, a leave of absence around any rulings with... Um, no, basically, they, they said yesterday that it was to do with the cut on his head. Right. So the cut isn't closing up, so there is some... Which, Would which he have make, played? I think he'd have made a difference. He looks like the kind of guy who really respects derbies. Uh, he's the type of guy that I would have wanted in my team. Yeah. Because we talked about this earlier on, and obviously we're going to talk about Arteta's goodness and what he's done mm. well. Mm. But when we have played at our best, beating City in the Cup semi-final, beating Chelsea in the Cup final, it's players like David Luiz who have showed that balls of steel, guts... That has been very, that has dragged us over lines. Well, Arteta's reign post lockdown at last season, where people thought he'd really turned Arsenal around a corner, and I felt Martinez and Abamyang stole all the plaudits. But I, I actually, there was a solid argument in my mind that Louise was the best outfield player in the team for that period. And that's a very distressing point that you've just made to me there, James, that you felt that a player that we've gone on to sell has. St- Stole applauded. That's 
we'll we'll talk about that in by the end of the season, no doubt, as to how sensible that uh, sale of Martinez was. But well, you can't play two goalkeepers. It's not like selling a centre back or a striker or a left winger. Yeah, but let's say that isn't a tattoo on his arm. Yeah, that worries me because the boy Runison, who is not a boy, twenty five. He's, he's nowhere near that calibre and we don't need that but the thing with Martinez is you can't negate the fact that players want to play and, no. and unfortunately I don't think there's enough Arsenal players as we go through the team now that have that I just want to play I want to play for this football club so look we've covered off the defence we haven't right hand <laughs> side of defence oh, I tried to I tried to weave around no it. no because I want to talk about this Right-hand side. I can't, the right-hand side. You lead this conversation because I get berated for hammering this guy. Well, I'm going to talk about the whole right-hand side of our team. From You're going to blend from right-back to right-wing. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that right-hand flank because that's where both Spurs goals come from. Yeah. And As they often do, by the way, in defence to Tierney. Okay, well, our right-hand side, Spurs' left-hand side. This no, but I don't mean just in Spurs. I mean, I mean our right-hand side often concedes more than our left in Tierney's defence. Yeah, I just, I'm not, let's start with the word, well the words, foul throw. Oh fuck. I'm sorry, but when I played football at school, which was the highest level I got to, so please don't think I'm some sort of professional guru here. Uh, What position did you play? I played in two positions actually. At the same time? No, no, during my (laughs) footballing career at school I played in, uh, in goal. Yes. And I played up front. Wow, opposite to tracked. Brilliant, yeah. I, I played rugby for my majority. Rugby league. Played at Wembley. Very Not many good. people can put that one on their base. But no, anyway, let's move on from swiftly. Bellerin, foul throwing. What the hell? He's done that so many times this season. To do that so many times. And to come out and say, I don't, get, I don't understand. I've done that my whole career. Yeah, that doesn't mean it's right. No, I know. That's, that's, I, no, I'm not even going to use it. Bring an analogy to that because the one I was going to use would have had to have been edited out by producer James. <laughs> so let's move on straight away through. But no, Bellerin absolutely Adams has again brought him up. You know, one of the things I'll say, Tony Adams has maybe had his misgivings in his professional management career, his coaching career. Mm. But on well, his management career, actually, his coaching career was a great assistant to Harry Redknapp, the one the FA Cup. It was, of course. You know, learned from a very good man there. Mm. But one of the things he knows about is how to defend. No doubt. Yeah, and, and if he says that that's right and that's wrong, I will have to listen to him with high kudos. Correct. He says Bellerin is not cutting the mustard. We've talked about this, and we often, following a game or prior to a game, after the game against Rapid Vienna, I sent you immediately what team I'd like to see play mm-hmm. on Sunday. And I excluded party. I didn't think he would be fit. Yeah, well, and he wasn't. He wasn't. Bellerin wasn't in it. There is something about when, I, when we play four at the back, the discipline... And the shape that I think Cedric gives us is is much superior. Well, uh, it, uh, we now know that Mikel wants to play a style of football where you utilise the crossing ability of your wide players. And Cedric is a significantly better footballer than Bellerin. Technically, I, I, I actually draw back to the way I was taught to kick a ball as a child and think that that part of his tuition has maybe been, you know, he was sick that week, so we've just skipped a week to catch up. Yeah, and I've, I've, you know, there's been a couple of games Bellerin's played well this season, but I have been very up disappointed with him. He just looks quite bizarre when he dribbles the ball and, and kicks it. It just doesn't look 
that natural of a of a professional footballer. It looks quite. I, I don't know. It's just it's like, it's like watching cricket, and you know. And I used to watch like Paul Adams bowl for <laughs> for South Africa. The it's f- like frog in a blender. Yes, I can totally get comfortable with the outcome, like when it's good. But I just I, I'll never get comfortable with the action. No. Nah. Um, so let's move on from Bellerin because we're probably going to have to talk about him in weeks to come. But Arteta, you know, you go onto his flaws. He does persevere with players that people are highlighting in in interviews to him. Like, when will Cedric get his chance? You know, yeah, I'm, I'm, we're going to talk about that because I have a few bits of uh... now. Willian again and again. Let's talk about Willian briefly because mm. again we'll probably talk about him. Willian is just not playing well enough. He's so out of form. He's so out of form. I mean, that's 14 games for Arsenal without a goal. And nor a creative. No creation either. Well, he got that assist for the Gabriel goal against Wolves. Okay, that's because he takes the corner and picks it up off the short again. And then then two, and then another Gabriel assist against Fulham and the Aubameyang assist. So yeah, three, three assists, 14 games, no goals. It's just not... You know, this is, as I said, this is our worst start since the 70s. It, uh, that, you know? that is that is an atrocious fact. I mean, that is so bad. That's 45 years. That's exactly right. It's ridiculous, you know. So when you move forward, the, the midfield... Well, first and foremost, let's talk party. Yeah. I mean, if it, was a, if it was a party, someone had popped all the balloons, no one turned up, the cake was out of date. He cannot walk off the pitch. Now, that's fucking unbelievable. In a North London derby as well, which just intensifies the the, the, uh, the the sheer disregard for the event. That's the thing. He cannot walk off the pitch. And if he is seriously injured, which I'll probably believe he is, the fact he's still mobile means that surely, if he's got that element of mobility... Well, fit, fit to play and move are two different things. He's a finely tuned athlete. They, they, they are played and statistically managed you know, 0. 0.0 of a second, I imagine, to this level. And more often than not, as long as it's not a fracture or or a complete break and such the like, you know, a player can walk and be fairly mobile during their recovery. And he was able to walk off the pitch. But the, the whole notion it's of what happened... Go down. He walks off the pitch, right? Hasn't signalled to the bench. Physio's unbeknown what's going on. Arteta just get, has literally five seconds of him. It's like, what the fuck? And pushes him back on the pitch. He jogs 10 yards and thinks, fuck this. I, honestly, I, I'm not fit. And just turns around. And then everyone just looks bemused. Again, back to just fucking comical Arsenal. There is so many comical moments. That's the first thing we said. When we first set out to try and... We said, well, we, we talk about Arsenal a lot. It'd be quite good to see what other people think about us. And I said, well, being Arsenal, it's the gift that keeps on giving. You know, they're either good or they're bloody comical. And they're being exactly like that. We've got so much content because they just keep giving it to us. I know, yeah. And our, our producer team keeps saying, get this fucking thing down to an hour. But it's so bloody hard when there is just more more and more and more languished amongst us, you know, or on a weekly basis. Oh, look, he, he wasn't having a bad game, but he is, again, a bit like Tierney, the best of a bad bunch in that midfield. I mean, um, let's, 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 let's give him a little bit of kudos here. I thought for the, the minutes that he was playing when he looked fit, he was leagues and leagues and leagues ahead of any midfielder we have in that park. Oh, no, no doubt. He is, he is miles ahead. His coverage of ground but, is immense. You know, again, when we, we played our transfer game, I wanted to sell Xhaka. I don't know why they renewed Ceballos, you know. 
He he's not a number ten, so he's not the replacement of Özil. You know why have you sent Torreira and Guendouzi out on loan? Like that that's that needs to be answered. You know you always say Arteta says in his interview every player will always get their chance if they train hard. You can't tell me that Torreira, Özil, and Guendouzi all don't train to the standard. I'm sorry, that's three different professionals from three different walks of life, from three different. You know, three different upbringings, right? They can't all come to this club and think I've signed for this club because it's just a fucking six that, out of ten go, comic if you, book. If you go, if you go back a few years, I don't want to sort of quote stats here, but I think in previous North London derbies, the three players you have just mentioned have all been man of the match on one occasion. I know Urzel <laughs> has. I think Guendouzi has in the two-two draw at the and end. I think Torreira was in the four-two. Yeah, he was amazing. Mm. You know, I and think scored the what well, the. The fourth go. Yeah, the winner, yeah. You know, and I just think you've got players that, and the way they play as well, they are, you know, well, the way that Guendouzi certainly plays, the way that Terrell plays is that blood and guts. You know, I think Guendouzi's attitude stunk with his performance, behaviour last season. He had a few petulant moments, but he is a young lad. But he's liked amongst the team. He's friendly with all the French guys. He's friendly with Aubameyang, Lacazette. I think he got on with some of the younger boys. He obviously was a big Ozil fan, you know. And Ozil's liked amongst the team, and I believe Terrell was as well. Well, I'm not sure about Terrell. I know he was very close with Martinez. I don't know. I think he really struggled with the language, and there wasn't that many Spanish-speaking people there. Uh, you know, they all left, didn't they, in short? Um, yeah. Um, but, you know, <laughs> that, that, that being said, right, Xhaka has been poor for a period. I, I think that actually, you mentioned to me on the phone earlier about um, Arsenal's treatment of Xhaka's stripping of the captaincy after the Crystal Palace incident was poor. How they reintroduced him into the side was very well done. But he has been poor for a period now. And I think he has shown for quite some time that he's a competent footballer because he always goes away and has good games for Switzerland. He has not had a poor game for Switzerland for years. And he's played against some proper players. Yes, and, 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 and I read the commentary around him. It's like, Xhaka, again, a sterling performance for the international side. That just means we, we're just trying to play him in a formation, in a tactical position, or something that just does not marry with his game. So sell him. Don't lose market value on him. I keep yeah. having this issue with I mean, you. He's out of contract, not this season, season after. So it's coming to his negoti- negotiation period. Yes. And and Ceballos are just... Um, he's not the same player. He he is actually quite an interesting one because he's had quite a lot of exposure to Europa League football. And he has shown glimpses in that team that I would like to see him operate in that way in the Premier League side. And it's very side to side. But look, they're both... My biggest issue with them is... Ceballos looked half-decent when he come on, though. No, no, I don't, think I don't he agree. Would, look, look I, sorry, when I say... They've got lethargic he, legs. They don't... Positionally, they're not they're not astute defensively, nor do either of them hit hard in the tackle. Xhaka makes rash tackles to try and give himself a presence on the pitch, like that fucking yellow card, which was child's play. But none of them actually go into the tackle and go man and ball. You're in a derby, yeah, come on then. And Ceballos does not tackle like that. And neither of them actually had the technical ability in the final third to split a defence. So they don't offer anything at either end. They just occupy space. More often than not, the wrong space, because people just walk through us. So, no, they're not. neither of them are at the standard. He's dropped Willock again, who, again, looked, um, looked reasonable in, in, the, in recent games. And, and didn't play on any with Party, which I found baffling. Look, if I'm just recalling here, I don't think Willock played against Vienna on Thursday. He didn't. 
No, so, he didn't. Again, I'm just saying he looked good in recent games. No, but he didn't play against Vienna. Why why not play him against Vienna? Why why not play him unless you're planning on using him? Maybe they were planning on using him. Oh, you Smith Rowe, didn't they? So they wanted to get him back into the side. Yeah, but um, what the but And what, then they played Lacazette in the ten. They've been I mean, which is what they did. Which against is, Vienna. Yeah, yeah, against Vienna. And then, you know, as we're moving through the team, you know, we're sort of half an hour in now. I mean, everything got to the front. It's just because this is just where this show is going to go. But I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to spend too much time on Lacazette. I, I thought. I thought he really. I thought he tried. He tracked back. He made a couple of good tackles. He it was, was an busy. amicable performance. Yeah, it was. You know, and, and with the service that he got, he did, and he actually made a couple of good passes into Aubameyang, but he was passing to a lost soul. And it's the first time I've seen someone get their head up and make a, a pass in behind. That's just that's given the striker half a chance to get the ball out of their feet and shoot. Yeah, and he made two. Once uh, Bamian got trapped and tried to backheel it. The other time he took the ball left and shot with his left foot, which I find odd because the goal against Fulham, the goal against Liverpool in the Community Shield were both off the outside of the right foot, bang, like similar to the sun finish. So. <laughs> Aubameyang looks lost. He is literally. I is either he don't want to play. No, I, think he's don't want to I, I think he. I think he. Well, you've heard of Pogba this evening. Um, his his agents come out and said, you know, I think his relationship with Manchester United is all but done. I, I don't think Aubameyang's uh, brother or father would do anything as extrovert, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's a meeting over the Christmas break in January and say, look, we just Pierre's future's elsewhere. His his head's elsewhere. Yeah, I, I mean, I personally. I think you've got to play... When you've said it, I'm probably stealing your line here, but I don't care. Thank you. Uh, I think you've got to play that first team on Thursday night against Dundalk. I think you've got to play them. I think they need to be told to go out there and play and play well and score a load of goals. Because I just think... Well, I think Lacazette's a good example. We've all thought he was in poor form. He had a, 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 he had a good... 65, 70 minutes against um, Vienna. Scored, scored a great really goal. Really put his foot through it, you know, and the ball just, it's one of those shots where the keeper's got no chance. It's, it does that know, often. Big celebration, knee slide, was 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 so chuffed to score. And, it, you know, and you tell that he just uplifted him a bit Sunday. And he also knew what that, 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 that match means. And, and he obviously scored in that 4-2 game as well, in that left footer. So... Got- I mean, look. So and then you're just leaving the you're just leaving the lad Saka, who again I think he started the season super bright. He's gone to England. He's you know he's the golden boy coming through. Everyone's looking forward to seeing what he can do. But in this team, he's even been played into bang average form. He, he just looked a little bit lost at sea. I didn't I didn't I didn't dislike or like his performance. It was just a bit meh. Meh is a good thing. So we we have got Burnley. On the weekend, yeah, Sunday, which is a must-win game. It's a must-win game. They're all must-win now. They're bro. all must-win but- because they're, because we've not won in five. Our form in five is relegation form. We've we've our last five games. We've played five, one zero, drawn one, lost four. One point in five games. Burnley was never ever a must-win game. It was a three-point guarantee with a three-goal win. When this is the this is the start. This is going to be a long, cold winter, pal. A long, cold winter if we're looking at Burnley 
at home as a must-win game. Sean Dyche is a shithousery expert. We should be we should be thinking, caught five 0 this Sunday, but I'm not. Well, that's how Wenger used to bounce. Confidence. I used to think you you mentioned it earlier. Wenger used to bounce back in those games where he lost to local rivals or big teams. He got o- he got over it by getting under it really yeah. quick. I mean, he lost against Mourinho. He would lose against Mourinho. You would say, oh, Arsenal versus Mourinho. Ah, oh, it's going to be a loss. Never mind. But the following game, bang. The week before the game, bang. Which is why it was such a despondency when we did lose against the top team. Because yeah. the week before it was 4-0, the week after it was 4-0, <laughs> just played like Muppets in the middle. But now it seems like Muppet, 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 Muppet. You know, you've got Elmo, you've got Big Bird, you've got bloody <laughs> the Grouch. It's the Muppets everywhere. Fozzie Bear. You know, this is an absolute crock of shit. <laughs> So I don't uh, the the tie with Burnley. Look, we go into it: eleven games, four wins, a draw, six losses. Six losses. That's piss poor. Well, I mean, I don't know. I know you, but we, we were like this last season. We played this way last season. It's the same players, the same style well, of results. Last 13 games. Different manager. 13 games. Emery lost his job. He had 18 points after 13 games. We've got 13 points after 11. Yeah, but that's a very telling thing. Now, uh, now your look. next two games are Burnley at home, Everton away. Dominic Calvert-Lewin has scored more goals this season than Arsenal's team. So that's going to be tough. And obviously the Everton in December was... Arteta's first game in a nil-nil draw. Yeah. Well, look, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not looking forward to it. You know, I think I'm looking more forward to Christmas meats and maybe some uh, wonderful cheeses at Christmas. But Jeez. the football, the football might come a second fiddle. You know, but you know, you, <laughs> you can change the a players. blanketless pig or a pig you in know, a blanket. You, if you, I don't want to blame the manager because I don't necessarily think it's his fault. I think there's elements that are his fault. There are considerable elements of the tactics that is for. I think there are considerable elements. Well, start start of the one team start selection. start one layer lower, right? Start with the players as a squad, right? Because the inconsistency of said squad, which the manager is responsible for, baffles me. Because I can't comprehend at the moment the results and the way in which we play football on a Thursday. How there is a golf. As soon as you play in the in at the weekend, it it I mean it. I can't understand how a performance, an uplifting result, goals, chance creation, desire, passion, um, movement. How that then you get to the weekend. I mean, does do they? And I think you've mentioned some good points because obviously the the skill and ability and quality of a Mourinho managed. That's you know the Mourinho managed Spurs side is better than the Vienna side and the Dundalk yes. side with respect. Yes. So, okay, let's move quality of opposition out of the way on this one mm-hmm. and look at exactly what you said, the passion, the, the style that they're trying to play. Yeah. The identity that that side is performed, that side on the Thursday has an identity. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, I've said it for a number of weeks now, I don't think the, week, the Premier League side has an identity. Unfortunately, I'm wrong. It has an identity. That identity is to lose at a whimper. <laughs> they are whimpering. It is awful. You know, it is... It's like seeing a sick family dog that's going... in the corner of the room. Unfortunately, there comes a time. This, but, this side... But then if that's the case, unfortunately what happens with that is that you put that dog down. You can change the players, you can change the manager. Yeah. I don't necessarily think if you change the manager, I think you're just going to chop off the head of the snake and another one's going to grow. 
You know, I, you know, unless you go out. So the point around the players is there's a cardinal attitude change required in those players. Those players need to come out and think, fuck this nonsense. Like, I cannot be in a team that is 15th, 16th in a league. That's just my career doesn't go down like this. I don't finish my career if if football was to end at the end of this season. I don't I don't go out on this note. I can't. And I know there's so many people that have achieved so much in the game in that side who are just I don't know why over such a long period there have been players now for four managers with a complete lack of respect for the badge that they wear on their chest. As Tony Adams, the great Tony Adams says, remember sorry you, to play from the name on the front of the shirt and then remember the name on the back. And then David Rowcastle, who is probably my all-time favourite Arsenal player. An absolute legend. Remember who you are, what you are, and who you represent. Players like that, David Rowcastle, and I don't mean this in any flippant way, would be turning in his grave at the way that these Arsenal players are playing for the club at the moment. Mm. Not the results, because obviously they'd all be pissed off at the results, but it's the way they're playing. Tony Adams and all of those great Arsenal players, and I use the word great, not I don't use that term loosely. No. You know, these players must be looking at that side thinking, you are embarrassments. Like, like a lot of the fan base as well, I believe. And the players, I think you think you're entitled. Like you're born into the monarchy. So you've got a place where you just stand for something greater than what it actually is, but you don't believe you don't actually understand that the required effort in order to achieve greatness comes at cost. It's you know, and and, and it, you know, forget results. Results aside, I know it's a results game, but you can lose. You can play yes, well and yes. you can lose. Yes, yes, of course. However, it's not about that. It's the performance that we are putting in. But it's it's like a sales job, right? If, if, if you're my manager, I say, look, Bob, I prepared really well. I put this PowerPoint presentation together. I felt I delivered it absolutely within the confines of what we agreed. I offered the best margin with extended credit terms. They just went with that bank because... Because they're bigger than us, they could offer better terms. But they, they were happy with the presentation. You're like, not a problem. Go again. Uh, you know, then I'll call you. I'm sorry, mate. I went on the piss last night. There was this amazing bird in the uh, sh- chassis on her. It was a joke. <laughs> right? And, uh, yeah, so I ended up staying up till 4 a.m. She fucked me off anyway for this big geezer with, a load, with big muscles. Went upstairs, didn't get much sleep. I forgot my tie and just went in there and tried to wing it. <laughs> they went with Nat West. You know, and then, you know, well, you know, when you piss poor preparation means piss poor performance. My grandfather told me that when I used to net at cricket. You know, so, I'm, I'm utterly, you know, that's it. It's about that performance. So obviously you need to sign new players and I'm going to come to that part later on in this. But the players are not putting it in. No. Now we move back to that manager. So, so the point around it is that if a manager loses a dressing room, or if he cannot convince the players that his strategy or the way in which he wants the team to operate, the players don't buy into it, there is a cardinal issue because the chemistry between management and playing staff is, you know, it's like, it's like batteries, you know, two negative batteries. There's just no charge. But, you know, but Arteta's Art- been dealt a bit of a duff hand here. But then he has made mistakes throughout this season where he is showing 
naivety and his infancy in his young managerial career. The false nine against Liverpool. Um, you said three things that all mean the same. And when people say three things that all mean the same, it normally means their point is valid and correct. Oh, thank you. The false nine. Uh, it was actually City, wasn't it? He played false nine against City was a crock yeah. of shit because that was a game they were in. A, that was a game when we were playing at a, a level. We were at a level in that match that with an ordinary lineup. We could have won. Yeah. Tried to be Liverpool against Liverpool at Liverpool. Got battered off the park. Actually got quite... A, I think that result was favourable to us, to be fair. Yeah. And then for the last few games, his attacking strategy change has been this of this, which I we mentioned it earlier, and I, and I will talk about it. I believe that he's looked at the greats around him at the moment, being Guardiola working underneath him, and Klopp is a master of his trade, Klopp. I mean... And I can totally understand why you try and emulate him. But the crossing strategy that some are saying, well, you know, he's learned from Klopp that it's worked. Well, first and foremost, we went into it a little bit earlier. Robertson and Trent Alexander are so far above the standard of our fullbacks with the utmost respect, Trent Alexander-Arnold, sorry. I don't think it's such a gulf between at the moment. I mean, Alexander-Arnold is is light years ahead of Bellerin. And Tierney's a good player, you know, but Robertson is showing that he might quite be... It's quite likely he's world-class. Yeah, I agree. Now, the 4-3-3. Three, three. The three in the middle work their absolute fucking socks off. That I mean, Henderson's just a Jack Russell the whole game. Bang, 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 bang. And his distribution has got better and better when he's been more and more recognised. And he plays like a captain, Henderson. He leaves everything out there, you know? A lot of people question whether he would have the ability to replace Gerard. Well, he's been nominated for Sports Personality of the Year. And I think he was PFA Player of the Year last year, was he not? Some, I think so. You might be right. If he wasn't, he had a footballer's foot, footballer's footballer of the year or yeah. something. He he was recognised, and he has got better and better. His distribution's got better, and he goes down fighting every game. He's got that growl in his face, and then they've signed Thiago. Like, oh, but we've already having the best midfield in the league. Fabinho gives them that that party esque element, you know, classy, languid, box to box player. You know, and they've got players like Cater, Oxley, Chamberlain. Fuck. You know, other players, Wijnaldum, a top player, I wanted to sign him in my fantasy draft. And and then the front three speak for themselves. And Pepe, Aubameyang and Lacazette on their day could compete. If if in the right form, manage right, playing right. But... I mean, that's a key point. No, and, 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 just think... let me, and just let me finish. Just let me finish. Because the point about the crossing strategy is one thing. But with with Liverpool, the intensity of play... And the elite high press are the two things that allow that strategy to work to the top of its ability. Because the high press means that you turn over possession quickly and you create instant width, right? And when you're when you're a high possession side and teams are allowed to set up normally with two banks of four, but sometimes with a bank of five and a bank of four, you do not get the time on the ball to get the ball out of your feet and deliver quality into the box. So the strategy doesn't work. I believe that that strategy has to be met with the press. And it worked at United. You know, they constantly built them down and then they end up getting a set piece, rightly so, I don't care what people say, and Aubameyang executed it and and they didn't concede. But we have not emulated that United performance 
since that game. That's our best performance of the season. It was the best performance because the way that the players... In fact, it's the only time I'm going to say we played well this season. And I do say we, we, we beat Fulham 3-0. Yeah, but we could have conceded in the first eight minutes We beat Fulham. Fulham 3-0 and it, to be honest, if you didn't beat Fulham 3-0, that would have been poor. Based on how they've got on this season, yes. So, But, but, they, but we also had a massive wake-up call. Leno made a big save in the first 15 minutes. Yeah. So, you know, I... <laughs> I don't... With, with Arteta, Arteta, look, I think he... Do, I actually think he does need time, but he needs to start getting things right. He needs to not be complacent. He needs to come out a little bit more like he was in the first half of his management career at Arsenal, where he was more raw and he was a lot more personable. And I thought he was a lot more truthful as well. When he was head coach, I think he gave a true representation of the game. Since he's been manager... It feels very clouded. Yeah, I agree. As I, well, I said earlier, <laughs> and, and, and he needs a plan B and a plan C in games now. And and the one thing that people were allowing him credit for, whilst he wasn't scoring goals, was that he's definitely shored the defence up. Well, he's now starting to concede quite frequently. Well, that's a simple. You know, I said this to you. The reason why we're conceding is because we're not scoring. And you know, people could scratch their heads at that. But hmm. explain that. If you are attacking a team yeah. and you have more chance of scoring against a team, that team is fearful of you attacking them. Therefore, they are less confident with their own attacking. Whereas if you cannot score, you will try harder to score and you still can't do it. You leave yourself <laughs> open at the back yeah. and a team that will be confident scoring will score. But the second, Spurs knew yeah. that we weren't going to score. Therefore, Spurs knew that they could. And the second goal was unbelievable, wasn't it? A five on three. I mean, it was mental that you leave yourself um, that exposed. So I agree with you. I think he's got to look at his team selection and his tactics. And he's got... And I, I like this little part. He's got to almost do a bit of a Mike Bassett England manager. <laughs> you know, not go back to basics because I think some of his tactics are good. But just look at the players he's got. Look at the players he's got registered. And then play the right players in the right positions and tell them to play bloody football. You know, this crossing in the box malarkey is absolute bollocks. I think someone, I heard a stat about, I think in Arteta's Ramey scored something like seven-headed goals or something. Mm. Why cross it in the box if you're only going to get seven-headed goals? That tells the team that you're playing against, hey, quid's in here, boys. They ain't going to score. Which means they can then put more emphasis on themselves scoring. But just looking at the stat earlier, we, we know they need to put a cross in the box 35 times to score one goal. So it's like, look, if we can stop that, I don't think they've got a plan B. Or, on the flip side, if we score twice, they physically, there's never been a team in the land that has 70 crosses in a game. This doesn't happen. No, never. You know, so score, you know, let's try to catch them on the counter. You know, if they're going to have to push their fullbacks on, there'll be chances in behind. The, the annoying thing about Arteta's reign is I, I find it, you know, as a, as a fan of football and ever being a coach or doing my badges or anything, but I, in my head, I can think of ways if I was managing your position, I, I, I feel like I know what I would tell my team to do. Yeah. But anyway, look, I because I want to get through these points. I want to get above. So look, Arteta, look, you've crossed that off. Now, here, but here comes the the issues, right? So the line of management above him, Edu, director, yeah. Then Vinay, uh, managing director, yeah, or CEO, and then the fucking Yank, yeah. So which which order do you want to go in? Because I'm revving the engine. I have 
so I'm going to say this. Since 06, 2006, since we moved to the Emirates, yes, the whole management structure ethos above playing management... To the coach, yeah. Yeah, so from Matt Wenger then, mm-hmm. Emery since then... Lundberg. Lundberg. Arteta. And Arteta. They're the, the, the ceiling there. Above the ceiling, that whole management ethos has been flawed since 2006. Since the move to the Emirates. Yep. The way we have handled our playing staff has been diabolical. And at this current moment in time, we're looking at the current lineup and squad. That buck with that management of contracts and selling players and signing players stops at the door of Edu. Yes. Edu is holding, in my opinion, looking at that last window, looking at some of the players we signed, too much influence and is pushing deals the wrong way. I think, you know, Willie Ann has the same agent as Edu. Right. And the same nationality. The same. Well, but the, but, I mean, the nationality part falls down here because we were given the opportunity. I, I, I should confirm this with you. We were given the opportunity to sign Coutinho. I believe we were, yeah. And we chose Willian over him. And I believe that was um, because of the loan fee. Look, it all stems to when you have a better player. The reason why there was a massive loan fee, you've re-signed Ceballos. So we've got Ceballos and Willian, who are nowhere near the capability of the one player, Coutinho. Well, you talk about a player who was sold to Barcelona for €130 million. Euro. And has since then played for Bayern Munich. Uh, so at, w- at which point is there never, ever able to be an Arsenal-owned player? Because we do not spend that in a window or a year in two windows, let alone on a single individual. So when a loan opportunity of a player of that stature with that worth, or, or a team that believes he's got that worth, becomes available... And his ability to play in different positions. So I think Edu, because it's him that's done that, has... Dave, you know, uh, and I find that odd because Arteta would have wanted this four-three-three, and you said absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Uh, he has cut his trade in three different countries playing in a four-three-three. Coutinho, yes. So I think Edu's has much to influence, and before him, those senior roles have been flawed. Edu's role is is about playing staff. You know, technical director. He's not moving players on in the way he should have done, and I think there's an. There is such error there, you know. So, yeah, I'm absolutely flummoxed by the senior management at Arsenal. And as I said to you, since 06, the whole way we've done this and signing players, the recruitment, the reason why Arteta has got such an uphill battle is all about how Arsenal have managed their playing staff. Mm. From 2006, with the famous Wenger line, you're going to lose Ashley Cole for five grand. You know, Ashley Cole wanted £55,000. Yeah. Arsenal wouldn't go above fifty. I ask you what a mistake that was. That's when the head got turned severely by Chelsea. Now he hates the club. Yeah, and went on and, and was one of the few people that left the Wenger side and achieved major honours. Well, every honour. Yeah. You know? you know, our way that we failed to get our best top-class players on long-term deals. But that, and that's been over a decade now. Since yeah. 06. Yeah. You know, since the move to the Emirates. Before the Emirates, we were saying, we, I don't ever, th- you know, I don't ever recall us going, oh, 
You know, we had a few shaky years with Vieira toward the back end of his lifespan at Arsenal. But I don't ever recall us never thinking about a player re-signing. I can't think in that in that 15-year window where, other than Torres going from Liverpool to Chelsea, where a team has, you know, has commissioned a, one of its rivals with top players. And we no. did it, and we did it on multiple occasions. Yes. Nasri, Van Persie. Adebayor, Sagna, Clichy. I mean, Sagna went on a free. Yeah. Clichy but that's an interesting thing. But then you look at that. We've gone to Chelsea. Sanchez. Yeah. That, yeah. We've gone to Chelsea and we've signed Czech, Louise and Willian. Yep. All surplus to requirements in Chelsea. Yet many moons ago when we wanted to sign Demba Bar, <laughs> Chelsea allowed us, they paid us the service of listening to this and at, right at the last minute put the barriers up and we weren't allowed to sign him. Why? Because he would have improved our squad at that moment in time to no end. And Chelsea didn't want to improve a rival squad. We have openly, you know, some of the players you mentioned, there was serious money involved, which I would say probably was above their worth at the time. Really? Yeah, I think we sold Torre to Chelsea, uh, sorry, Man City at a very high end. You couldn't turn that down. It was like 20-odd million quid. I don't think any of them were like big ticket sales. Van Persie went for 22 million. Shocking. Fucking shit deal. Last year of his contract, Sanchez, had no choice. Sanchez was a fucking swap deal with a player that we loaned out to Roma quickly after. Uh, and then cancelled their contract. Yeah, exactly. And, and by the way, we paid fucking nearly 40 million for Sanchez. So him being involved in a swap deal, with all due respect, I don't get hard over that Clichy went for 8 million Sagner again went on a free Adebayor was 25 million Nasri was 23 24 million like none of these players went for like you know the biggest one was fucking Oxlade Chamberlain but he went on and won a Champions League and a fucking Premier League title and is now with a member of Little Mix yeah and also yeah Oxlade Chamberlain with the years of service we gave him and the injuries he had he had the audacity to hold Arsenal to the wall and said, fuck this noise. I'm not staying here any longer. And he went to a team now that are like the best in the land. There's so many of them, Bob. Honestly, it's happened. There's so so many of them have gone to better opposition. Like you said, Cole opened the door. The Ramsey to Juventus one fucking angers I mean, me that, that so much. That was insulting much. because that is a player. You know, some of these players, you know, once it got to that stage, the line was crossed and there was never any going back. Van Persie was never signing. Obviously, we saw what happened with Ashley Cole. You saw what happened with so many of those players. They were going to run down. But all their of them, the way all of them left, Fabregas with the Barcelona's like every Every year, it's just a torrid of like, you know, what? Do, like, I would go to him. He's your, he's your best player. We, we're going to do in the Christmas special, and I'm going to give someone a snippet. The best player of the Emirates era, the kings of the Emirates, and he was the Don. He was the, he was Don Sesk at Arsenal in that Emirates era, and I would sit him down. Yeah, as he's on Wenger, and say, what do I need to do to stop this Barcelona nonsense? You know, you're the best player in the side. You're the captain. What does the club need to do to keep you here? And I don't doubt the way that Wenger man managed people that he and Cesc probably had that conversation. And Wenger was the one that had to give him the news and say, I'm sorry, we just can't. Well, that's it. We, 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 above, we, we just cannot accommodate your request. Because above Wenger, it didn't happen. You know, above Wenger, there was Gazidis, then there was the board. And this is the belly of the football club, the guts of it. 
that I think are absolutely culpable for everything. It is rotten at its core. And, you know, in the time that we have been at the Emirates, I understand the Cronkies have taken nigh on £75 million in management consultancy fees for servicing the football club over that period, yet the net spend of the football club doesn't, I don't think it nearly eclipses that amount of money. So they've taken as much money as they've invested over that period what they've seen is their share value grow by nearly 200% in that period of time and where does an owner in that period get inspired you know if you're a if you're a retail shop yeah and you're running this club in this way and you're just filling it up with the wrong items and people are coming in they're just not buying any of the items yet you're a shareholder you're an owner you're responsible for the balance sheet a liquidator comes in and it's your neck on the fucking line well look at you know you go whenever to- does a business that sells no fucking product and compete against the shop in the row next to it continue to grow and grow and grow and get better and it's overshadowed with a few cracking paper items because you've won a few FA Cups. We have not complete. We have not competed in this league. Wenger, Wenger's arms were tied behind his back for a long time, and he left. And he left a legacy. And the team definitely needed a change. He had a long, long reign. But they, but they've continued to fall downhill. And they're giving. They're being given money to spend now, but it is on insignificant players. They are not able to buy players in clubs that can eat at the top table. And teams around us have signed players. Who, who actually make me jealous significantly better. I mean, we we have been turned down by fucking Jamie Vardy. The guy cut his teeth playing amateur <clears throat> football. Yeah. There, James, you're absolutely right. I will stay. There is no ambition in improving the team's fortunes on the pitch with real investment. There is only ambition to fatten the wallets of the majority shareholder. And the point I make about the retail shop is if I'm HMRC or I'm a liquidator or I've been into your business and so look, your creditor position is X, Y, and Z, da, 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 da. right, you need to now personally guarantee a level of investment to restore your shop's balance sheet to break even and beyond, or you need to put your business down and you might lose your house, right? And that that point there must have come. The last correspondence we heard from the Cronkies was Josh saying, Guys, be excited. We have not heard a live interview from the Cronkies since that fucking point. And at that point, we have been on a free fall down and they have not stepped off their pedestal and made an announcement globally to the fan base. And that is fucking piss poor. Absolutely outrageous. And with the money and the wealth that they are worth and what their stakeholding in this football club and this PLC is worth, they should be saying, we have a committed plan to restore this club to greatness, and if it costs us a billion dollars, we're committed. And come out of a statement. Let's That's what pick- John Henry has done at Liverpool. Exactly. And when we went to buy Suarez in 2012, I believe it was, since then he's berated Arsenal on Twitter. He's actually fucking taken the time to get off his fucking shooting range. John Henry has made a fuck of us. Absolutely. And do you know what? He has every right to. Because he comes in and he manages a football club properly. You know, this is an interesting point. And but this, this is might, the same issue m- I have about Abramovich. He does. He goes to the fucking games. He lives in London. He, you know, his, his business is his passion. But this is an interesting point. And this is, this might, you might laugh at me for this point. Vince McMahon, <laughs> the boss of... Chairman and CEO and che- president of WWE, yeah. World Wrestling Entertainment. A multi-billionaire yep. from... Men in leotards, if you will, mm-hmm. called Stan Kroenke a terrible, terrible businessman. Really? 
and said he would be no good. Vince McMahon. Now, you could say what you like about what you feel about WWE and its comparisons to football. But I tell you what, I look at his bank account. I look at his success rate. I look at the way that he has managed his shithouse people out of WWE, brought them back. He's managed it. He's orchestrated it. He's employed the right people. It is the biggest thing in the world. He went through a name change when the people at WWF, the World Wildlife Foundation, said, you can't do this. He had probably had the money to win that argument, but he thought, I don't want to win that argument. It's not a debate for me. Mm. Bang. Success, 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 success. John Henry from the Boston Red Sox, knows about managing sports franchises, has gone into Liverpool, success, 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 success. The ruthlessness, and I remember this back in 2015, when Brendan Rodgers was having a dubious run of things. And I think Chelsea just started to look to part company Mourinho at the time. Immediately, Liverpool went, sat Brendan Rodgers, brought Klopp in, because they could see Klopp being gobbled up by someone else ruthlessness didn't wait around they've got Klopp in they've given Klopp all the money in the world Klopp's used his man management skills and his tactical nous and he's rebuilt a football team to being probably one of the most formidable teams in world football currently 100% now what we've done is John Henry went I want to do that I want to make sure 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 employed the right people in the right positions so he can sit on his but, shooting range but, but also no I don't know I, I don't know if I agree also read the board notes or has a management team that feed directly into him and is understanding what his business is doing 100% and I, and I don't know whether or not Stan sits at home and watches the games you know I, I, I don't know if he knows like, I, I, I feel our ownership is so far fetched I mean the guy's got a, he's got He's had the title Silent Stan for years. I've never seen him speak in an interview about Arsenal. I've, I've never seen one. I haven't gone hunting, but it's the sort of thing as a, as a devoured, Ars- devoted, sorry, Arsenal fan that you come across. And it's, it's my biggest issue, Bob, honestly. I he, think you, he, could, you could lay your hat. He's the only person, genuinely, that can turn it around. You know, Vinay was forced into a job. They've replaced Ivan. They've, repla- you know, they've replaced Raul. There's been changes everywhere post-Wenger. And this is why I take issue with the amount of people that were Wenger out. It wasn't... He did have his arms tied behind his back. You know, he's still getting fucking Champions League football with Shamak and Park and Bentner up front. Hold on. We have, we are, I don't know the score in the the, the match, <laughs> the Brighton match tonight, but we are minutes potentially away from being, it's one, one all. all. So we are currently looking at the league tables. I don't, we're, we're a 16th, 15th, 16th position. We have five teams below us. We went for years moaning that only three teams were above us. Mm. Now we have just four or five teams below but, us. But that is absolutely scandalous. But when when do you think the uh, honestly and and this is a rhetorical question but when do you think the ownership would would step in and 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 come out and make a statement actually actually the ownership. Well I don't think they're ever going to do it because they have no ambition whilst that club is making money. They have no ambition and at this moment in time they're only allowed 2000 people in the ground so they're always going to sell out with what they're maximally allowed to do. And you um you you alluded to a bit earlier off air just as we were prepping about the big turning point for me was the Usmanov Kronky ownership tirade you know and it's always going to have to go one or two ways. 
and you know Dean's involvement with Red and White Holdings. A lot of people were super interested to see how that went, and I believe it was Lady Lady Bracewell who ended up casting. Well, she's the one who's been positioned with making the favour going in Stan's direction because she cast that 15.5-odd percent in his direction and it gave him majority. And, you know, and all the stories that sort of feathered in after that about, you know, Usmanov saying, I didn't get invited to board meetings and albeit I have the percentage that means that they can't make decisions without me, decisions are getting made without me. And, um, you know, when he came out, he was active. You know, he wanted to give them a 100 million war chest over 10 years ago. He's like, we will sign Kareem Benzema if I get in. The kind of things that fans are like, oh my God, you know, these are the things that you want to hear. And we went with the other side because the I believe that the, um, you know, I believe that the Poms that sit at the board of Arsenal at the time who were, you know, stalwarts of the game, you know, all of them are quite archaic, to be honest, and, and, and had been given shares throughout a legacy kind of opinion you know ladies and um men of the game and doyans of the old um old, fine rig you know fine people don't get me yeah, wrong yeah. older tonians etc no exactly and and the and the old-fashioned self are self-sustained business model absolutely spend what we are the old arsenal was a beautiful thing you know our standards the what we stood for that's yeah, exactly. the Arsenal that you love. Yeah, but the outside investor that came into the league was the Big Bang, and the fucking dinosaurs died. That's one of the things that Dean himself saw, and he saw at that time, if we don't do it, the bloke down the road will do it. I could see what's happening in Chelsea. You know, you and you can see, again, teams have done it wrong. Liverpool did it wrong when they got the two American owners in prior to John Henry. Mm. They did it wrong. Clubs will do this wrong. Yeah. You know, lots of clubs have done it wrong. Some clubs have done it incredibly right. Leicester, Chelsea, Manchester City, Liverpool now, you know. Questions over whether United did it right or not, you know, since Ferguson, you know, there's pros and cons there. Obviously, during the Ferguson reign, it was obviously deemed as right, but they had no. Alex Ferguson there. That, that shows But they you... came and added something. They gave Ferguson... Shows you the level of investment. Ferguson had it with the archaic mindset of what football was, you know, late 90s, yeah? Uh, or mid to late 90s. And then he had his class of 92. And then the, the new ownership came in and there was money available. Yeah, but you've got to remember there was... Ferguson high... never didn't get the player he wanted. Oh, no, there was high ticket... Other than Alan Shearer. Yeah, and there was high ticket spends, don't get me wrong, on York and Cole, um, Veron... and a half mil. Rio, Rio Ferdinand... Bartes, Evra, you know, he, he started... Ruben Nistelroy. Yeah, he started adding players, you know, I know he didn't pay a lot for Ronaldo, but Nani, I think, was expensive at the time. Yeah, I think Nani was more than Ronaldo. A Anderson was big money when they signed those two, uh, the two Brazilians, and then the brothers, and then uh, Stam, you know. You know, they bought some phenomenal players, and they sold some phenomenal players, and they played the game well. Mm. But the one thing they always did with Ferguson was back him. They never backed Wenger. No. And I think it was those years... You know, and you mentioned it a lot where Wenger's first 10 years of his Arsenal career was to go and win things. His second 10 years of his Arsenal tenure sustainability. was sustainability. And, and unfortunately, in running businesses, you know, when we opt for sustainability, sometimes sustainability is just small growth because inflation and evolution are things that just happen in the world. And sustainability has not been in a model where other teams around you don't have aspirations, unfortunately. So sustainability is sustaining fourth place, you know, which Wenger did for a long time. But on a restricted budget, you can't. You start to get 
found out. And now it's happening. And and I bring back to the original point going 360 about the game against Spurs. We're now 11 games into the season and 11 points behind them in a season where Spurs, in a calendar year where Spurs have launched their new record-sized stadium. And they have renewed Harry Kane continuously. They've got an absolute world-class player in Son. They have bought Bale this year. They've bought um, Rayon, the left-back. They've spent nearly £100 million this window, I, I think. think. What you need to say, go back to that stadium point, is they got that stadium and halfway through a season, they were told no one's allowed in it. So the the money they can recoup from that stadium has just gone. Yeah, and still they're investing. And Joe Lewis doesn't have, I, I believe he's wealthy, but I don't think he has half the fortune that... Um, he's the, a, the, he is a billionaire, but he's not... Is he 10, 11 billion? No, he's not. Yeah, exactly. And they're very shrewdly run under uh, Daniel Levy. And, you know, they've gone into this window, spent um, 100 million quid. They've added the, to their whole spine. They bought Vinicius under Kane, because Kane has got in, he's injury prone. They've bought um, Hoiberg from Southampton, who looks like a fine sign. He oh, had a great game yesterday. A, he looks brilliant. And then they've bought uh, Joe Roden, I think, the Swansea centre-half, who, who can slot in. They've ended up prizing Urier away from PSG. And since they have done, he looks to have actually found some form, the, the lad. Albeit, I think he's toilet, but he's doing a job at right back. And at the moment, he'd get in our side. And then the left back they've bought from Madrid is the one that they've just snuck in the back door. Because he looks like a fine signing. Mm-hmm. And it fucking angers me so much, but you can't not appreciate the smart investment and continual desire to move forward. And they're, to- they're tied top. And we are closer to relegation than we are to them at the top of the league. Every team, I would say every team in the league, their board, their management structure shows an ambition and takes that ambition and professionally administers it. And the biggest anecdote I want to finish tonight on with, because I'm busting for a piss, is... Solskjaer's job was on the line when we played them in October. It was very much about Arteta and Solskjaer need a kickstart. This game comes at a good time for both of them, but it will end up being one of them. And we won that game. And Solskjaer since then has turned United around. If they win their game in hand, which I appreciate is City, leaves them two points off top. Since that game, we've taken one point from five games. Which is a near-nil draw against Leeds. Yeah. And bar Spurs, the other four games, you'd expect results in. Yeah, with the utmost respect to the opposition. But Leeds, Wolves, Leicester and Villa, you would expect at least 50% of those, of, you know, you'd, from those 12 points, you'd expect six points at least. Albeit Leicester was the week before United, but yeah. Sorry, sorry. Time, so. so what was the game I'm missing? Leeds, Wolves, Leicester. Sorry, Leeds, Wolves, Villa. I think it was it, innit? Four games because it was European. Oh, I feel like I'm missing a game. Anyway, but that, that might be the, the urine bursting out of me so you know, Bob, it's a big January window coming this January window isn't about the Titanic avoiding the iceberg it's about us spending money to make sure the Titanic's got more boats you know wholesale changes need to happen from top to bottom in this football club they need to happen now it's not going to fix this season it's a foregone conclusion I joked at the beginning of this whole adventure of podcasts that Arsenal's best chance of European football was getting in through the Europa League well, I'm proven right there. We will not qualify. I'm struggling to see us not finishing double figures this season. Mm. We'll finish 10th. So we've won one Premier League game in two months. Yes. And that was Man United. And then the last time 
we won a Premier League game was against Sheffield United before that. Yeah, so our, our form in our last five games, to correct I think earlier, is one win, one draw, three losses. Arsenal have been totally unacceptable this so so far. But I don't know what uh, January's window holds for us, Bob. Have you got a have you got like a gut instinct that you think will happen in January? I think Aubameyang was handing a transfer request, whether we find out about it. But I think my, my my gut tells me he will have that conversation with the team. I think it's going to be... I mean, Arteta alluded to Edu having to do a lot of work in January and it being interesting and hard and what have you. I honestly think it's going to be... I think it'll be vacant. I think Dominic Zubelishlai. How was that pronunciation? Beautiful. I think it's going to be an I think, absolute... I, I, think he's, I think he's going to go to the um, parent company or brother company, uh, Leipzig. He's going to go to Leipzig. Of course he will. Yeah. Um, Got more chance of Champions League football from them. Well, and, and the owner obviously co-owned and, and, and they're talking to the player about bedding him into the Bundesliga and an intercompany trade that might end up seeing a higher release clause entered into the new contract makes sense because he seems to be um, coming through um, with, uh, with an aplomb. I'm really interested to see whether or not they re-register Ozil. Honestly, it's something I'm I'm waiting with bated breath to see whether or not they do that. But it puts it puts a marker down for what really is going on. If they don't buy anyone, they don't re-register him. I don't know where the football club can go from there. How you deal with that media tirade that will come from that? Personally speaking, we've done well to not talk about too much. If Ozil is not registered at the end of the January window and, and he's still, still an, an Arsenal, Arsenal player. Yeah. I cannot allow for that. That is the utmost... That is going back to the points we made. That's not... You know, that is on Arteta because he should stamp his feet because that is an asset. That is money being burnt. We have got so many Premier League games between now and the transfer window. And really they come so they come so thick and fast. Christmas is gonna not be great, mate. I would prefer at this moment in time, I would prefer to be a fucking turkey right now. <laughs> Than I would be an Arsenal <laughs> fan. But really bizarrely, right, that could... You've got less chance of fitting up your arse as a turkey now. Right, I mean, but like, you know, if you if, if if you try and remain positive and upbeat, he could swing it really, really quickly if he got results in his way. But you've got Burnley home on the 13th. Southampton, Three points. Southampton home on the 16th. Three points. Everton away on the 19th. Point. That's not what I think we'll get, that's what we should get. City at home on the 22nd. Loss. Oh, that's a cup game though. Ah, yes, it is. But loss. Chelsea home on Boxing Day. Loss. Brighton away on the 29th. Draw. West Brom away January 2nd. Window open. Win. So five games between now and then. How many goals will we score in those five games? James, are you asking me what I think or what we will? Well, even if we average two goals a game, we go to a January transfer window, 16 games in. And and if we've amassed 20 goals... Creativity and goal scoring needs to massively be the the point of reference for re-registering of players, promotion of youth players, and acquisition of players outside the club. And if they didn't re-register him, I would find it very bizarre. Yeah, they've got to they've got to, for want of a better expression, put up or shut up. They've got to sell him or they've got to play him. Register him at least. He doesn't have to play, you know, don't get me wrong. You know, there is reasons why he won't play for this football club. And, and when he's registered and sitting on the bench watching, I can take that as a huge football reason. When he's watching on his TV at home, spending more time tweeting people that are buying his clothing, line. clothing come on, pal. 
That's yeah. not what it's about. It's odd. We decided not to have a rundown this week. We just wanted to have a really open conversation. You know, the aggrievement isn't just at Arteta. The club in its entirety is being managed in, in, a, in, a, in a really, really derisory way at the moment. And, you know, I'm just as an Arsenal fan now who just enjoys doing this pod while we set it up in lockdown, you and I. But, you know, I just plea, I plea, I plea, I plea to the ownership that they just say enough is enough. It's time now to get this great football club. You know, you know Stan Kroenke is currently like Sir Philip Green and Arsenal Football Club is currently like the Arcadia Group. But, I mean, Bob, only Manchester United and Liverpool in the land have more league titles than Arsenal. How? That just shows the legacy and the greatness of what the we've history. achieved. The only team to never have been relegated. The only team from to the have, first division. Yeah. yeah, the only team to have never. Well, in the Premier League era and in the the three points of twenty teams in a league season. Sorry, to go unbeaten for the entirety of the season. We know obviously Preston and Villa have done it previously in lesser teams, but we are well, a team with history. Won the double, you know, 71, 98, 02, you know. It's just so many plaudits. There was talk about us winning the FA Cup three times on the bounce. 02, 03, 04. And they were going to give us the FA Cup, you know. We've won the FA Cup more times than any other team. Come on, there is history ingrained in this club. There's so much about this great club that needs protecting and it needs to be in the upper echelon of teams competing. And so many of the other big teams have evolved with the movement in football, with the money that's come into it. Everyone else has cottoned on to the way in which you need to do it. We're the only team that tried to retain a self-sustained model and we are the only team out of those that are considered in the Big 20 massively suffering to this level. You know, Man United are deemed as being as suffering, but I would stomach their level of suffering so much better than ours. Because at least they're still putting goals on teams. They are bleeding goals, but they are scoring two, three, four a game. They've beaten PSG this year as well. They beat West Ham at the weekend. Yeah. We wouldn't have beat West Ham. No, and and they are and they're looking like they're going to go through their Champions League group as long as they hold hold their arse a little bit. They've they've blurred a little bit in the um last two games. But you know, so Teams that have gone through their transitional period, they're coming out the other side. I just don't know what's next for Arsenal. And um, you know, this next week, Burnley's a Burnley's a real test now. Again, we'll finish with predictions. Let's just wrap up. Arsenal will beat Burnley two one. I'm going to say one nil. Lacazette. Yeah, Lacazette. I'm not going to disagree with that. Cool. All right. Well, look, we apologise it's gone on slightly longer, but I hope it's a really good listen for everyone. And, um, you know, the same mission statement remains from us. Up the Arsenal. And um, let's hope that this great club pulls it together. Yes, let's do. I've been Jim. And I've been Bob. See you guys soon.